0: Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Good to be here, Dan. Chris, good to have you. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we had a chance to catch up, um, and you know, really, the probably the biggest headline in the news today has been the, or the last couple weeks has been the Delta variant. Um, and you know, for, for us, as we as we take a look at this as investors, and you as we're looking at the economy, really, what what kind of impact do you think it's going to make? on the recovery, on the continued reopening, and on the economy an in, in, uh, in, in overall?
1: Yeah, I really think it's a non-event, and the market is looking through it. Um, I know we're pinning a lot of the slowdown and any moderation in the recovery to the Delta variant, but that, that really isn't the leading cause by any stretch. It's Anytime you see uh, a movement in, in equity prices or an adjustment in economic activity, they always try to pin a narrative to it, and they're using the Delta variant for that. Uh, We're already seeing the Delta variant peak. We've got enough history with it in the UK and India. We know how long it takes to move through the population. um, And it looks like it's already peaking in the southern states and will peak across the rest of the country over the next six to eight weeks. Uh, There's also a positive that comes out of this. You know, when you look at the vaccination rates in Florida, uh, we went from some $25,000 a day upwards to $75,000 a day. And despite what you read in the headlines, there really isn't that big. Uh, a, a difference between the rate of vaccination in the northeast and the larger states in the southeast and in the west uh, but you know people are, are starting to use masks even without mandates um, and with news that the variant and the rate of infections increasing we're seeing vaccination rates go up and so it, it does mean, you know, we, this may be the last peak we see in this virus, which could be a real positive, and that'd be pretty consistent with history, which it takes about two years to work through it, um, and we're on pace to do that. The market is already looking through any slowdown for the Delta variant. As the cases peak, I'm sure you'll see short-term traders try to close and bid up some of the more cyclical stocks. Uh, but for the most part, investors need to know in North America, we've already priced in the recovery. That's, that's been priced in. That's over. Uh, we're actually starting to discount the rate of slowdown that we're starting to experience. And it's going to broaden across the economy over the next 12 months.
0: Well, it, it, it sounds you know, very optimistic um, relative to what you're hearing a lot of times on the, on the headline news. But um, coming off of that, too, we, we we're starting to see really strong job numbers of late. You know, what are your expectations of jobs and tie that into what you just described going forward?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we've we talked a while about the global industrial slowdown and what we can, can say now in North America. It spilled over into the services sector and we're getting confirmation that it's going to spill over into the employment sector, which means we're going to see a, a slowing of the pace of employment. Um, we should expect that um, for the last uh 20 years, the pace of employment recovery has been weaker and weaker from one recession to the next. There's really two elements that are impacting the employment recovery. One is companies went to zero cost budgeting, and they're not going to bring those staff back. People took that opportunity to look at their cost structure, made permanent reductions. People accelerated investments in IT for productivity gains, or they transformed their business model. Uh, secondarily, Um, you know we have an an aging workforce and uh, the lockdowns gave people a chance to reflect and we've pulled forward some retirements we've had some natural fall off in the participation rate but data is just coming to light through surveys that indicates we may have four million uh, employees or potential employees that that have fallen out of the workforce because they're still dealing with long-haul COVID symptoms Um, and it means they either can't return to work or they've had to reduce their hours, and that will probably be with us for several months. So there was a statistical anomaly in the uh, July jobs number, you know, with the reduction in the enhanced unemployment benefits and the timing of the surveys with June and July. It meant the July number picked up a large majority of the reduction in those enhanced benefits in June and the majority in July. So I think that July number could be artificially high, and we may see some weakening going forward. You get some pretty material seasonal adjustments in August, so that may skew that. But I think when we look at kind of the three-month average when we get out in uh, September and October, we're going to see the rate of improvement employment is actually starting to slow.
0: Okay. Well, it's interesting that you go through that, um, and it's certainly been you know a, a, a kind of a wild ride over the last year. And, and a lot of what you're describing it adds to that, right? I mean, the aging workforce and pulling those retirements forward. Um, so, I'd be curious to see what people come back, particularly those who have experienced long COVID. Um, on the kind of a last note here today, you talk about the infrastructure bill, uh, and we talk about the budget, right? So, yep. two big headlines: um, budget about three point five trillion dollars. And, you know, given how hot the economy has been running, um, you know, what, what are the implications of a budget that large? And, yeah. you know, I guess the second part of that question would be, you know, does it represent some inflationary challenges or, or yeah. concerns?
1: Yeah. Let, so let, let's let look at the budget in general. Um, you know, the three and a half trillion is the ask. Uh, the bid's two and a half trillion. We'll see what we can get done through uh, reconciliation or some normal legislative process. But as an investor, you know, just looking at the economic impact, you got to remember there was so much excess stimulus in the prior 12 months that it's going to be very difficult or we're going to have a fiscal contraction. There's just no way around that. We're going to have a fiscal contraction and we're going to have a monetary or liquidity contraction over the next 12 months. We've just reached the peak of the impact from expanding money supply, and we've reached the peak for the transfer payments. Uh, Now, while we have that fiscal contraction, the offset is we're going to continue to see economic growth out of the private sector that will offset offset that. You know, the impact on inflation, you know, I do think we're in a phase transition to structurally higher inflation, but that's going to occur over the next 10 years. Uh, we, we know for a fact that the inflationary pressures in the emerging markets have already peaked. Um, it, we know that, the, and it appears that in the developed world and in North America, the, inflate, the self-reinforcing inflationary cycle is peaking now and will ease. Uh, and let's be clear, all I'm talking about is a lower rate of change in price, not that we're going to go back to the old price levels. We may have, in fact, moved prices permanently higher so I do think we're going to start to see inflation become a little bit uh, more transitory, and it's going to be less of an issue and more uh, something we see in the rearview mirror. And global, global sovereign uh, bonds and the yield curves are telling us that. Like right? We've seen a contraction in sovereign bonds across the entire globe, and they're a pretty good predictor of uh, future inflation and future economic growth. Uh, so I think that's going to retreat. Um, into the background. Uh, what could change that? Certainly, you know, any dislocations where we ramp up liquidity. Uh, we, the key to inflation is really a change in psyche. When economic actors begin to believe that we're going to have permanently higher prices, they behave accordingly, and that becomes very self-fulfilling. And we're not quite there yet. Uh, so I think the market's going to continue to discount the rate of the slowdown, um, and it'll be with us. We're going to end up back at trend line growth. And even in one of the hottest areas right now, so you look at container rates, um, and they're up three or four hundred percent, but yet demand is only up four percent over 2019 levels. And what's really happening is with the disruption in supply chains, we're just reducing effective capacity. And we can start to see when you look at annualized rates of sales of homes, annualized rates of sales of autos, um, you know, they're, they're starting to roll over and quite significantly. Uh, So I think we're going to work through these supply chain disruptions over the next 12 months. That's what the market's telling you. That's what the yield curves are telling you. So I'm not too concerned about inflation at this stage.
0: And and one follow-up to to something you mentioned uh, early on in that question around monetary liquidity contraction. So as as I think about this, right, and as I think about what we've seen kind of this unprecedented expansion and liquidity that's gone into the marketplace, And that's really allowed for a lot of companies to survive or trade up that, you know, perhaps otherwise wouldn't. So is it, you know, if I'm thinking about this from from an equity perspective, how much more selective do I need to be?
1: I think you need to be a lot more selective. You know, um, as liquidity contracts, it comes out of the most speculative areas. And we've seen that, right? We've seen the meme stocks correct. We've seen Bitcoin correct. And, you know, say what you want about the long-term opportunities there. The reality is it was just a lot of liquidity chasing prices higher and a lot of momentum. As that comes out of the market, you're going to need fundamentals to attract capital towards the securities you own. Um, So you need to focus on areas where margins are sustainable, uh, where you're going to continue to have reasonable growth in 2022 and, and beyond. Um, and if you have those characteristics and valuations aren't too extended, you're going to be in fine shape. But uh, you're going to have to be selective, and there's going to be opportunities across every sector.
0: Good. Well, it's a good place to cut off for today. So, Chris, thank you. Good having you back, and we will catch up soon.
1: Sounds good, Dan. Good to be here.
0: The views, information, and/or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. And do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services